Hey, what's up, family? It's good to see you guys. Man, I hope uh, you are having an incredible summer. I miss you so much. I can't wait to be back in a few weeks to kick off our fall message series. Uh, but today, I wanted to be here because I wanted to introduce our guest speaker. And uh, this man, for many of you, needs no introduction. But for others of you who may not know, uh, Jake Barker is here to deliver the message. And um, Jake, Jake served on our staff team for 12 years. And in 2017, uh, we sent him out to, with his wife Trudy to plant a church in the mission field that is Santa Barbara, California. And uh, did an amazing job there. The church is still there doing really, really well. Uh, but about a year ago, uh, they moved uh, just up the road to um, Anaheim, uh, where Jake is a campus pastor at Eastside Christian Church, a great church, very similar to Traders Point. Uh, you know, Jake is, uh, many of you know, like he's just a great leader, phenomenal communicator, um, just a really, really good friend. And um, honestly, there, I was thinking this just last week about the impact that Jake made on our church. And I know for many of you, Jake made just a personal impact. Maybe he baptized you. Maybe it was one of his messages that encouraged you or brought you to the Lord. Um, but as I was thinking collectively of, of just our uh, church at large, you know, Jake served as a student pastor when I got here, and then he uh, was a teaching pastor, an executive pastor for a while. I remember going into his uh, office one day and just saying, man, we got to get our heads around like what it looks like to be one church in multiple locations. And Jake volunteered for that role and really honestly did so much of the legwork, the research, developing the infrastructure for us to be the kind of church we are today, one church in multiple locations. So if you are a part of another campus, you have Jake Barker to thank for that because Jake really blazed the trail uh, to lead us where we're at. Yeah. Jake, uh, Jake and his wife, Trudy, they have four beautiful kids. They're all here this weekend, and uh, it's just a joy to have him back. And so would you please cross all of our campuses, put your hands together, give a warm homecoming welcome to our very own Jake Barker. All right. Nice, bro. Thanks for seeing us. Yeah, I appreciate it. All right. Well, what is up, Traders Point? It is so good to be with you. Like Aaron said, my name is Jake. I have been married to my wife, Trudy, for 15 years. We celebrated 15 years a couple weeks ago. Uh, yeah, that round of applause is for her. All right, for her, not for me. She's done it. Uh, when we left Traders Point, we had three kids. And as of three months ago, we now have four children. Uh, if anyone can explain to me how this keeps happening, that would be great. I could use a lesson. This is her. Her name is Cosetta. We call her Cozy for short. And I thought that we could just spend the next 30 minutes or so admiring her, if you don't mind. That's what I would like to do. I guess we could do something else. That's okay. Uh, man, our family's doing great. And it means the world to us to be here at Trader's Point. I mean, it's, it's so great. In May of 2005, I took what I thought was going to be a three-month summer internship in the student ministry at Trader's Point. And I showed up on the first night and I walked into a gymnasium and I met the most stunning adult volunteer. And now she is my wife. Uh, we, uh, we, have, we had three kids at IU 
Bellevue North Hospital. And for the first 12 years of our family, we spent it here. And it, it was truly, truly amazing. I preached my very first message to adults in a building just off Lafayette Road. It was approximately 16 minutes long. And it was probably biblical. All right, Probably. I can't exactly remember. I think all evidence has been destroyed for good reason. And for the next decade, I got to lead and grow and try things. And you as a church were so gracious and loving and forgiving. And I needed a lot of forgiveness. And this is the kind of place that would allow someone like me to learn a whole lot of stuff in front of you. And so if you're new around here and you're just trying to figure out, like, is this the place for you? I hope you'll make it your home because it is a place that you want to be. A place that can forgive and love and be gracious is the kind of church that you want to belong to and contribute to. And so I hope that you will do that. Because I know that just from my time on staff alone, there are leaders that are leading churches from Florida to Colorado to California and everywhere in between. And there is a long legacy of the impact for the kingdom of God that Traders Point has had. And there's going to be a day in heaven where we're going to gather in one of those gigantic football stadiums because we will still play football in heaven. Do not worry, okay? And we're going to tell all the stories of the lives that were impacted here at Traders Point. And I will be on the front row because I love this place. And I always will. I always will. So uh, I would also also like to take a moment just to uh, honor and celebrate and appreciate my friend and your lead pastor, Aaron Brockett. Okay? Uh, absolutely. Man. Hey, I, I know, I know that the last two years have been kind of crazy for every single person, right? Like there, I've yet to talk to anyone who said, you know what the best two years of my life have been? The last two years, all right? No one says that because it's been chaotic and it's thrown everything into a loop. But just for a moment, all right, let me say this. Uh, can you just imagine being the leader of a church, the size and the impact and the diversity of Traders Point over the last two years? All the different perspectives and opinions and beliefs and upbringings. And we asked these leaders to thread the tiniest of needles in some of the most complicated ministry challenges that we've ever seen. I'm talking a pandemic and protests, elections and the economy. And then he had to navigate the Facebook comments section. Okay. I don't know if you knew this. The devil invented the Facebook comment section. All right. You can look it up. There's no good in there. Get out. All right. Get out now. It's not doing any good. And my friend Aaron has led with integrity and courage and, and patience. And uh, I can tell you. I can tell you. Absolutely. We can keep clapping. We're going to do it all day long. I can tell you that a couple weeks ago, he and I got to hang out in Wyoming, all right, way far away from here. None of you are around to hear what he had to say. And he told me that he loves this place and he believes in you and he knows that the best is yet to come. So one more time at all of our campuses, will you help me appreciate and honor your lead pastor, Aaron Brockett? All right. I've been nice enough. It's making me uncomfortable. All right, here we go. Uh, hey, the, I get the honor of contributing to a series that you've been in for the last few weeks called What the World Needs Now. And as I was thinking about that, I was like, man, that's the million dollar question, isn't it? Because if I knew that, I would invent it and then make a ton of money. And so, but what does the world need now? Honestly, it's probably more clear to me what the world just does not need any more of. Like, I don't know that the world really needs any more celebrity endorsements. Okay, like, I, can we find somebody better to listen? 
into, like, I know Bezos can take you to space, and, and Elon can tell you where to invest your money, and, and The Rock can tell you how to work out, and, and Kim can tell you what leggings to wear, but like, is it really working? All right, are we, are we better for this? Maybe we can find some different people to listen to. Uh, the world probably does not need your social media expertise, okay? I don't know about your feed. It's been this weird thing over the last couple of years. There are people that apparently I'm friends with that have all of a sudden become experts in every single current event that's happening right now. They know the answers to all of it. It's amazing. Right? They knew everything about infectious diseases and vaccine effectiveness and gun control and reproductive rights and judicial precedents and everything they knew. And I was like, man, I don't know any of that. It's amazing that you're so smart, okay? But maybe... I'm just saying maybe the world doesn't need your social media hot takes anymore. Is it possible and even probable, and what my, my proposition to you today is definite, that the world desperately needs a group of people that take God seriously and that believe Jesus at his word. And if, we could, if the watching world could really see a group of people that live out what they believe, it changes everything. It changes everything. The city's never the same. The generations are never the same. Your family's never the same. And is it possible that God exactly has always wanted to do that in our lives and have the impact on the people around us? See, over the, the last few weeks, we've been talking about this thing called the fruit of the Spirit. And I love the way Ryan described it a couple weeks ago. He said the fruit of the Spirit is God producing his character in us. That's a, that's a great way of understanding it. It's what when God gets inside. And he wants to do this. He wants to get inside and he wants to remove some things that don't need to be there anymore. And he wants to rewire some things that have become disconnected. And then he wants to reorder some things, some priorities in our lives. And when we start following Jesus, that's going to be the process. There are certain things that only God can do in our lives. And the fruit of the Spirit is one of them. Now, if you're new to all this, and maybe you are just considering Jesus right here in this moment, I want you to know that you can 1,000% receive the gift of grace right here and right now. Like you, don't, you, don't have to, you don't have to figure out any more answers. You don't have to get your act together. The gift of grace is available and free for you to receive right here in this moment. But I want to let you know that receiving the gift of grace and becoming a follower of Jesus is actually the starting line, not the finishing line. Okay? It is the beginning of something, not the finishing of something. Sometimes we come to the conclusion that like, okay, I'm in and I believe the right things and now I'm done. And that's not, actually not true. When we start following Jesus, it triggers this process called sanctification. Right? Sanctification. It's a fancy word for basically saying God's going to grow some things in you. He's going to reorder, he's going to rewire, he's going to remove, and he wants his character to start showing up in your life over and over and over again, and I'm telling you, it is a game changer. It's an absolute game changer when God starts growing his character in us. Now, I want you to know that there is actually not a version of following Jesus that does not include radical character change. It's just part of it. And when God gets access to our hearts and when God gets access to our minds and to our souls, he's going to change some things. And you're going to notice and then people around you are going to notice, like, man, you're different. Like, there's something going on. And so I'm here to just lovingly say 
that if you are currently considering yourself a follower of Jesus, but you cannot point to any character change, and no one in your life can point to any difference in, in the way that you act and the way that you treat people, I'd like to lovingly say it may not be Jesus that you're following. It may be yourself, maybe someone else, but Jesus always, always, following Jesus always includes radical character change. And so we've talked about the fruit already of love and joy, patience, kindness and gentleness. And today we're going to look at the fruit of faithfulness. Right, the fruit of faithfulness. And so faithfulness, at, and compared to all the other fruits of the Spirit, is unique. And one particular distinction is that faithfulness takes time. Okay. And, and you can be loving in a moment, all right, in an interaction. You can, you can be patient in a moment. You can be joyful in a moment. But faithfulness, by definition, takes time. It's going to require perspective. And some hindsight to see how God is growing the faithfulness in your life. And when it comes to significant life change, time is like the one thing that we don't want to give. We want things to happen immediately. It's the reason that no one falls for a get-rich-slow scheme. No one's ever fallen for one of those. We fall for get-rich-quick schemes. We want it to happen immediately. Now, in my life, in different seasons, I have had varying levels of dedication to physical fitness. There, there have been moments where I was really dedicated and I was really locked in. And then other moments where I wanted nothing to do with it and I didn't try at all. And then there was this one season where I was somewhere in between those two extremes. Okay? I wanted to be fit, but I really didn't want to put any work into it. Okay? Does that sound familiar to anybody else? And so I wanted, I wanted maximum results with minimal effort. And I didn't feel like I was asking all that much. Okay, That's what I wanted to do. And so because of that feeling, it led to probably the most embarrassing gift request I've ever asked for in my entire life. Okay? Now, before I tell you what I asked for, I just want to establish something real quick, some common ground. This is a place of grace. Okay. <laughs> Uh, this is a no-judgment zone, okay? I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page. I wanted maximum physical results with minimal effort. And so I, one Christmas, I asked for a shake weight, all right? I asked for a shake weight. You said you wouldn't judge me, okay? I wanted a shake weight. And the reason was is because on this box, it says only six minutes a day, I look like that guy, all right? That's what they said. I said, this is perfect. This is perfect. Maximum results, minimal effort. I'm all in. I'm all in. But the problem is, is that the, the movement of the shake weight is humiliating, okay? So I would wait till everyone went to bed. I would draw all the curtains to make sure the neighbors couldn't see. And then I would, you just basically wiggle this thing back and forth for six minutes and you look like that guy. And I'm here to testify it does not work, okay? It did not work at all. It did not give me any of the muscles. It did take my dignity. So that was fun. <laughs> that was fun, but this is kind of the deal. And I'm just here to tell you as your friend, look, the change that actually matters and the change that really lasts and the change that God wants to do, I'm, just, I'm lovingly telling you it's going to take time. And I know that we would like to microwave sanctification and, and snap our fingers and Amazon Prime two-day delivery. Like, give me, give me all the results that I want. And I, I'm telling you, it's going to take time, but I'm also here to say it's worth it. If you will be patient and if you will trust and if you really believe that God is leading you somewhere, you're going to someday look back in hindsight and say, this is better than I ever thought it would be. 
I can't believe, God, what you've done in my life. And I can't believe the things that you let me be a part of. But if I had quit when I wanted to quit, I never would have experienced it. And so let us take our time and really allow God to do his thing. And so today we got two questions to answer. Number one, I want to ask, how is God faithful? All right, what's God's definition? What's God's version of faithfulness? I know what you might say. I know what, what Webster's Dictionary might say. I'm saying let's see what God says about faithfulness. And then number two, how can we be faithful like God? It's his character in us. How is that going to impact the way we live? How's it going to impact the way we treat people? How's it going to impact the way that we finish our time here on earth? All right, so let's start with the first question. How is God faithful? Well, according to Deuteronomy, here's what it says. It says, he is the rock and his works are perfect and all his ways are just. A faithful God who does no wrong, upright and just is he. And if you're the type of person that likes to really lock in on maybe one Bible verse a, a week or, or maybe you like to meditate or memorize, can I suggest that one, Deuteronomy 32.4? It is so encouraging to me to read that description of God. It says he's, he's perfect and he's the rock and he doesn't change and he doesn't move and he has a firm foundation. He's just and he does no wrong. He's upright, and that is the kind of God that we follow, a God that never changes. Then in Romans chapter 3, the Apostle Paul is kind of addressing an issue that's going on in the church, and he says, true, some of them were unfaithful, but just because they were unfaithful, does that mean God will be unfaithful? Of course not. Even if everyone else is a liar, God is true. Paul is addressing the ages-old issue of the fact that there are some people in our world, some people that you probably even know, that claim to follow God, claim to love Jesus, and they do it very poorly and very publicly. And isn't that frustrating? Man, you see them in your social media feed. You see them on the news, and they say they are representing God in all the different areas in which they speak. And you look at them and you're like, hold on, I don't think that that's what God said. And I see the way that you're really mean and really rude and really angry toward people that disagree with you. And that's just not how Jesus did it. Like he said hard things to people all the time and somehow they loved him more because of it. I'm not quite sure you're representing God very well. And Paul's saying, even if all of us, even if everyone out there became a liar, God is still true. Our unfaithfulness. Our lack of consistency doesn't make God less consistent. He is always true. He never changes. Firm foundation. And then finally, the author of Hebrews puts it as clearly as we can possibly read it. So Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. There has not been a single moment ever where the character of God shifted. Never. It is eternal. It is rock solid. It is the firm foundation. Jesus has been loving yesterday and today and forever. And he has been gracious yesterday, today and forever. And Jesus Christ has been faithful yesterday, today and forever. The word of God is incredibly clear. God never changes. So how, how is that good news? That's the big, that's the big question. Like how is that good news? You and I, we live in this culture to where change has become the ultimate value. Right, change is no longer the exception, it's the expectation. We don't expect anything to stay the same for longer than like three months. Things are always changing. 
Think about the way technology has advanced just in your lifetime alone. Okay? Uh, if you're under the age of 30, this isn't going to make a lot of sense. But uh, their phones used to be attached to the wall. All right? And there was this cord that limited your mobility and it could wrap around you and it could suffocate you. Okay? That's how this worked. And as a kid, if you wanted to invite your friend to come play with you, okay, you had to call their home number and anyone in that house could answer the phone. And sometimes when you wanted to talk to your friend, their friend's parents would pick up and you would have to make small talk with your friend's dad before you could talk to your friend. Gen Z, you could never, all right? You, you're not strong like us, all right? You don't know what it's like. You've never made small talk with Mr. Collins, all right? You don't know. You don't know. Direct message. No. Call your friend's dad and talk to your friend, all right? See how you like it then. You remember how TVs used to be the size of a mobile home. You remember how if you wanted to watch a movie, you had to go to this place called Blockbuster. That seems so ancient, but it really wasn't that long ago. But friends, it's not just technology that has changed rapidly in our lifetime. Often it's our culture's values and principles and even ethics. It's our, it's our culture's understanding of even what's good and what's loving that have undergone drastic change. And it seems more and more rapid every single day. Things like justice, things like race and politics and and gender and sex and love, like all these things have gone under major redefinitions over the last few years. And, and frankly, it can sometimes be hard to keep up. It's like, hold, okay, hold on. So what, what's in today and what's out today? And like, what are we, what are we affirming and what are we not affirming? And, and so hold on, I thought, <laughs> I thought we were celebrating that thing, but I guess we're now condemning that thing. And it changes over and over and over again, lightning speed. And if we allow our culture's definitions and culture's values and culture's principles and ethics to become the foundation. It is shifting sand that will never, never stop moving. Because, because, get this, here we go. If the definition changed yesterday, there's a pretty good chance it'll change again tomorrow. If what we care about changed yesterday, there's a pretty good chance it's going to change again. And so if we make our identity to be fully accepted by this current moment, guess what? We will be out of date in like three years. It'll change. And it's hard to keep up. And the good news is, is that God never changes. Hey, if you are a student right now, if you're in middle school, high school, college, can I just get your attention real quick? Okay, real quick. I'll, I will make it shorter than a TikTok, all right? I promise I got you. I got you. Hey, I want you to know that I fully appreciate that the moment in which you are growing up is more complicated and more challenging than anything that any of us ever experienced. Right? It just is. And I know that the conversations you have in the hallways and at the lunchroom and, and online, it is just sometimes really, really confusing. And I know believing God and trusting his word is becoming more and more challenging every day that goes by. And I just want you to know that I, I know that and I see that. And, and I, the reason I know is because I have a 13-year-old daughter that comes home every day and tells me all the stuff that she heard and all the stuff that she talked about. And I, I get it and I see it. And I just want you to know, I know it's really hard. And I also want you to know that one of the joys of being part of a church is that you don't have to do this alone. 
man, there are so many people that would love to pray with you. They'd love to encourage you. They'd love to give you space to ask your questions and wrestle out your doubts. And you, you don't have to figure this all out on your own. There, I, know, I know they're old and sometimes they're uncool, but man, they have lived through some stuff. And it matters. And I just want you to know that we have your back and we love you and we care about you. And so right now at all of our campuses, if you are an adult, will you give our students some love that are really, really trying to go for this, trying to stay committed, trying to stay faithful? Man, it's important. We got your back, okay? Hey, sometimes what happens in every generation is we look at what's going on around us and think, man, I can't believe this has happened. This has definitely never happened before. And then you just read a little bit of history and you realize, oh, actually, we've kind of been down this road. In fact, when you read scripture, you're going to find that humans have kind of been humans forever. And we've had a lot of the same struggles and a lot of the same temptations. And so we're going to reread that verse in Hebrews and find out that they were wrestling with very similar stuff that we're wrestling with today. Hebrews 13 said, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Watch this. He said, do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It's good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. So this author is saying, uh, hey, by the way, there are always strange and new ideas that often confuse people that are trying to follow Jesus. So back in the day, there was a rumor going around that if you ate the right ceremonial foods, it would strengthen your faith. So the food and faith had a direct correlation. And the author of Hebrews is saying, you don't, you don't need all that business. The strength that you have comes from the grace of God alone. Every once in a while you will see a new podcast will pop up with a new worldview. There will be a new social media trend that says this is now what we're celebrating. Strange and new ideas are not new to the experience of following Jesus. But I love the way the author put it. They said, do not be carried away. Don't be carried away. Uh, like I said, we got four kids. We live in California, so sometimes we end up at the beach. And so we'll throw down the chairs and we'll lay out the towels and they'll lather up with sunscreen. And then they'll just dive headfirst into the freezing cold Pacific Ocean because kids don't feel anything. And so they'll be, they'll be playing and splashing and surfing. And then about 20 minutes later, I'll look up and our children have faded down the coast about 100 yards. All right? They stood no chance against the current. And so I'll look over at Trudy and say, hey, your kids are like way down there. And then she'll give me that look that apparently that's my responsibility. And so I'll go over there and I'll yell at them and I'll get them back over here. And then I will show them. So do you realize we're like way over there and you faded so far. And the scariest part as a parent is that they have no idea. They have no idea. As far as they're concerned, they've never moved. As far as they're concerned, they are in the exact same place that they entered the water because the current was innocuous. I didn't feel it. Didn't feel like a fight. Didn't feel like they were losing ground. It just gently carried them away. And friends, in the absence of an anchor, in the absence of a firm foundation, the cultural current will carry us away. Because the strange and new ideas are not poorly packaged. They're actually really well packaged. They seem nice. They seem loving. They seem like the kind thing to extend to your fellow human being. And then every once in a while, if we don't look up 
And if we never set our anchor down, we end up in a place that we never thought we would be. We've let go of things that we believed a long time ago. We've exited community that used to really matter to us. And we're living a life that we never really intended. God never changes. He is our firm foundation. And he is our anchor. And that's really good news. Now, I just want to be honest. I really believe in being honest. Like, I never want to sell you something that I'm not fully forthcoming about. Uh, The faithfulness of God in very particular seasons of our life can be it's, it can be really hard to believe. Usually, it's in a season of life where we have lost something. Or we're in, a, in the midst of some extreme pain. Or we're, we're trying to wrestle through some real disappointment. And it's in those moments that it's really easy to look at God and say, Hey, God, are you sure you didn't change? Because it used to be easy and now it's hard. And I used to get things that I wanted and now I don't. This picture here is a friend of my, is a, my friend Chad. It's on his wedding day. And one of the cool things about being a pastor is that sometimes your friends ask you to do things for them. And so I got to officiate his wedding. Uh, this is his beautiful bride, Maera. She's from Sao Paulo, Brazil. She's the sweetest. And this was a day that was really special to me. Uh, Chad and I grew up together. We met each other in elementary school and grew up all the way through high school. And, and Chad was the kid in your class that had just too much DJ equipment. Like he would play music in the sweaty ba- the basements with all the teenagers. And, and he became a friend with the coolest job. He was a Disney Imagineer. Built roller coasters for a living. He built the Iron Man ride in Hong Kong. He, he built the Millennium Falcon in Star Wars Land and, and Disney World. So next time you're down there, that's my buddy. He built that. And about four years ago, Chad called me and said he had gone to the hospital for some stomach pain. He was thinking like appendicitis or something. And he went home with a diagnosis that he had stage four colon cancer. He was, we were 35. And I don't know if you know what to say to your friends when they call you with news like that. I, I didn't know. Man, I stumbled over my words, and, and we cried together, and, and I prayed, and, and then we hung up. And then a few weeks later, some of our friends that we went to high school together, we put together this, like, weekly prayer call to where we would call in, and, and we would hear all the updates, and we'd hear the, the prognosis and the plans and where he was and what treatment he was on. And, and then we told stories, and we laughed, and, and we did that every single week, and we prayed, and we prayed, and we prayed so hard so hard. This chair here, it doesn't mean anything to you, but it means the world to me. It's on the campus of Santa Barbara City College where uh, our church plant was gathering. And one time during Chad's treatment, he came to visit me and he went to a service and we hung out during the afternoon and we talked about the small things. And then eventually we got to some of the big things and, and sitting in this chair, he turned to me and he said, man, what would you do if you were me? Like with, with your life, like what would you do? And I mean, I don't know if you've ever had someone battling cancer ask you that question. I didn't know what to say. I, I tried a few things. And then eventually I just got to the point where I said, man, if I were you, I would just make sure everyone that I love knows it. And make sure your wife knows and make sure your parents know. Make sure your brother knows. And he said, man, that's a really good idea. And so he swiveled in that chair and he looked at me and he said, that's a good idea. I'm going to start with you. And I said, please do not. Um, <laughs> I am not emotionally mature enough to handle what you were about to say. 
And like any good friend, he didn't listen to me. And he told me that he loved me. And he told me he was proud of me. I don't know if you've ever had someone dying of cancer tell you what you mean to them. It's not something you forget. Chad passed away about two years ago. And um, I really miss my friend. I do. And I don't know. I don't know why God didn't heal him. I don't. I, I wish I could tell you. I wish I could explain it. I really do. And my guess is, is that you've got some story in your pocket where you've lost someone that you really, really loved and you probably prayed just as hard as I did and you were trying to do all the right things and you saw what God does for other people and he didn't do it for you. And those are the moments where we're tempted to look up at God and say, hold on, did you change? Are you not the same guy? Are you not the same one that healed the person down the street but you wouldn't heal the person I love? And you got a choice on your hands. I just want to be honest with you. you. I can't do this for you. You have to decide between you and God in those moments, what are you going to choose to believe? What are you going to choose to trust? I think that sometimes because of our limited vocabulary, we're really just not sure how to talk about things like that. Things like my friend. Because sometimes we'll use phrases like someone lost their battle to cancer. You've heard someone say that? I'm just telling you, my friend lost nothing. My friend did not lose. Cancer did not win. Because every single week, there was a group of people that hadn't talked in over a decade, and we were reconnected. And every single week, we prayed and put our trust in the hands of the Creator God. Every single week, I was reminded of the fragility and brevity of life. Every single week, I was focused on someone else just for a moment, and that's really good for our souls. God was not unfaithful. God was faithful. God didn't change. I did. God's character did not shift. It was my feelings that shifted. God's promises were not unkept. It was just my doubts that were seeping in. And God in his loving kindness reminded me that this is only the beginning. That there is an eternity that is guaranteed. That we do not mourn like those without hope. That we can truly have joy even in the midst of our tears. It's okay to say it's hard. And it's okay to express our doubts. God does not change. We do. And that's why we need, desperately need a rock that never moves and never changes. So that leaves us with one last question. If we're going to be faithful like God, then what would it look like? If God was really going to develop that in our character, how would it express itself? How would people even know? And so here's how this is going to work. If you and I are going to be faithful like God, then we will be the same person everywhere with everyone. Okay? That's what it means to be faithful like God. We will be the same person everywhere with everyone. You ready for that challenge? The same exact person no matter where you are. Now some of you read that and you're like, hey, that's me. I'm taking it as you leave it. I call it like it is. Yeah, I never change. I didn't say be the same jerk everywhere, Okay. <laughs> All right. I said, be the same person everywhere. Bring the same love everywhere you go. Bring the same peace with everyone that you're around. Instead of completely changing our identity and our character, depending on our situation and our surroundings, we're the same person everywhere with everyone. The word we can put on it is the word integrity. Integrity, that's what that means. 
for you math nerds out there, you know that the root word of integrity is integer. It means a whole number, complete. It means not fractured. See, so often in life, and, and I'm saying we, okay, because I'm with you, it's really tempting to compartmentalize our faith expression depending on the surroundings in which we find ourselves. So I can, I can freely express my faith when I'm with her but not with him. I can freely express what I believe when I'm at work but definitely not with, when I'm in the neighborhood. And so what we like to do is pick and choose our spots where we are the person that God created us to be. And ultimately, ultimately that is not consistent with the faithfulness of God. He never changes. He's always the same. You see, the challenge for most of us in inviting a friend, here's how I know. Here's how I know that faithfulness might be the very fruit of the Spirit that could change a community from the inside out. It's because you tell me, what is the most frequent reason that your friend tells you that they can't come to church with you? You, you've been trying and you've been praying. Like one time you even tricked them. You got them in the car, told them you were going to a movie. You pulled into the parking lot. They jumped out of the moving car. Like they did the whole thing, okay? What is the reason that they didn't want to come to church? It's because church is full of hypocrites. You've heard it too. And they're not wrong. Ultimately what they say is like, why would I sit around with a bunch of people that say they believe one thing and then treat people so poorly? Why would, I, why would I want to hang out with a bunch of people that say they believe in a loving God, but they're so mean? Like, why would I want to be around that? And ultimately, what we believe sometimes is that hypocrisy, the antidote to hypocrisy is perfection. Like, if I, if I don't want to be a hypocrite, then I have to be perfect in every way, perfect in all around. But that's not actually what a person of integrity does. A person of in integrity is humble enough to admit their hypocrisy and courageous enough to address it. That's what a person of integrity does. We're not asking you to be a perfect person everywhere you go, around everyone that you're around. That's impossible. There was one perfect person. His name is Jesus. You're not him. Okay? A person of integrity says, you know what? I, I get it. You're right. Like when confronted about some area of your life that just seems really inconsistent with what you believe, a person of integrity receives that. And then they have the courage to say, you know what? I'm going to address that. I, I, I'd like your help. Do you want to know the telltale sign of a hypocrite? It's someone that believes that they're not one. That's how you know a hypocrite. It's when they are confronted or when something gets exposed about them, they get defensive. They get really explanatory. They can actually tell you how it's actually not their fault, it's actually your fault. That's the sign of a hypocrite. A person of integrity, a person of faithfulness is willing to admit, you know what, I got a lot of work to do. There are significant areas of my life that are deeply inconsistent with what I believe, and I want to address those. I want to grow in that. And I'm not saying this at you. I'm saying this, I'm saying this with you. There are parts of my life, what I think, how I feel, how I treat other people that are deeply inconsistent with what I believe. If I really believed that God has once and for all settled my identity and called me a much-loved son of his, then the opinions of you about what I'm doing right now wouldn't matter, and I'm here to tell you they do. All right? The way you think about me, the way you feel about me, it, it affects me. There are certain things about marriage that God said about how I'm supposed to love my wife, and I don't do it perfectly every single time, and I got work to do. All of us have deep inconsistency and work to do. And someone that's truly brave, a person of integrity is willing to pray a prayer like this. Psalm 139. 
We would pray, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. You want to pray a prayer that God will definitely answer this week? It's right here. If you invite God to show you the inconsistencies, if you invite God to show you the offensive ways that are inside of you, he's got a notepad. He's ready. We'll start with number one, then we'll get to number two, then we'll get to number three. That is a prayer that God will definitely answer. And so I just wonder, is it possible that it's time for you to finally admit that you're just not, you're not a very trustworthy friend? Just not. Basically, everybody in your life knows that the very minute that they share anything with you, five other people are going to know within seconds. You like having the information. Gossip's kind of fun. But unfortunately, that's deeply inconsistent with the way God treats people. Jesus didn't treat people like that. And it's time to courageously admit it and then address it. Or maybe you find that you are hyper aware at all times of how you look and who you are around. Vanity reigns supreme in your image. And you want to make sure that you have the perfectly filtered thing for everybody to see. And, and unfortunately, Jesus said, actually, when, you, when you're throwing a party, you're actually supposed to invite all the people that no one else is inviting. And when you love people, you're supposed to love them in such a way that they can never pay you back. The way that people see you is not your identity. It's inconsistent with what God taught. Maybe you've got this like long list of people in your life that somehow keep getting offended with the way that you treat them. And your tone is so harsh. And even though you're right, they can't hear you because you're just mean. And you've blamed them for being so sensitive and it's time for you to adopt the way of Jesus. Jesus was always saying hard things to people, but he did it in a wet manner of love. It's time to admit it and address it. Or maybe... You've become so sensitive that people in your life know that they can't share anything with you. Like if they told you the real truth about who you are, you would melt down. So they're walking on eggshells, on pins and needles, just trying not to offend you. And that's inconsistent with what God said because he said your, your identity is settled. You are already loved. You are already forgiven. You are already promised eternity. This is not long, no longer in doubt. You don't have to melt down. Anytime someone gives you some helpful feedback, all of us have major inconsistencies that it's just our opportunity to say, I admit it and I'm willing to address it. When God grows his faithfulness in us, that will be the end result. So right now at all of our campuses, I'd love for you to stand to your feet. Today we are going to sing a new song. And... Uh, and it just is going to celebrate the faithfulness of God. And what I hope you'll do is you'll hear these words. And maybe you'll even belt them out at the top of your lungs because there are some powerful messages within this song. And, and we're going to celebrate, celebrate that in the midst of a culture that is always changing, God never does. And in the midst of a bunch of relationships that often fail us, God never does. And in the midst of a lot of conditional love, God promises his unconditional love every single time. And in the midst of a place that fails us left and right, God never fails never changes. He never misses. He is a firm foundation. Let me pray for you, Trader's Point. Father, we are so grateful. 
grateful that your words never change and your character never changes and your love never changes and your promises never change and our hope never changes and our joy never changes. God, you never change. And we need that. Because it is so uncertain out there. And it's, it's scary and it's changing and we want to rely on you to anchor ourselves and who you are and who you say we are. So Father, for those of us right now that are struggling to find our footing, that we feel ourselves slipping, let this be the reminder that we can trust. Let this be the reminder of who you are and let it give us the courage to face another day knowing that it is you that we trust, not ourselves. It's in your son's good name I pray, amen.